This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Wharton Finance Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Our guest consists of experts like the world's leading authority on long-term economic growth, Bob Gordon. We will continue to see jobs created rather than destroyed. Former chair of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. I mean, I don't think either of us ever expected that we would live through a financial crisis. Or even the head of the Digital India Foundation, Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show. Uh, this segment, we're going to be talking with Mary Dinofrio, um, who's a partner and co-founder of the growth investment practice at Bessemer Venture Partners. Um, she works closely on a index that Wisdom Tree has licensed for the cloud computing space. Uh, they do Bessemer is like a thought leader, one of the premier venture capital firms on investing in cloud companies. They do an annual state of the cloud that we're going to get. Uh, Mary's latest take on what's happening in the cloud space. Um, but Mary, welcome back to Behind the Markets. Thanks for joining us again today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. I uh, appreciated the invitation and looking forward to talking about the state of the cloud this year. So tell us, what are you working on? Anything in uh, it, Bessemer? What do you, any, you guys have raised a new fund you were recently promoted to partner. Anything currently uh, besides the, the state of the cloud that we're going to get into? Anything you're currently working on that you're excited about? Yeah, certainly. Um, Just to introduce myself really briefly, um, I am the second dedicated partner at Bessemer focused on growth stage investments. Um, And uh, as the involvement with the Cloud Index suggests, I focus on growth stage cloud software. So I look across um, the space, but um, in particular have um, some companies focused on automation at scale, um, such as HyperScience. Um, I do a good amount of data infrastructure, um, such as HashiCorp and um, one that is uh, about to be announced in Big ID, um, and vertical software as well. But I, I look across uh, cloud software broadly and um, am actively trying to find investments in it. So hit me up if you're a cloud founder. Very good. So give us your overall big picture. I mean, l- last year the pandemic was a big year for cloud stocks generally. Um, and I guess, how would you say, you know, in your state of the cloud, what what would you say is the state of the cloud for, for this year and beyond? Yeah, of course. So just after shelter in place took effect, um, as I'm sure we all remember, the stock market sold off 30% over the course of three weeks in March, 2020, which was the steepest crash in history. Um, But I think the pandemic also ushered in fundamental changes to the way that we live and work that opened up digital transformation initiatives that powered the move to cloud software. So things like telemedicine, um, we have a company called Hinge Health, it's really helping to power um, digital um, medicine. Uh, virtual learning. We have a company called Brightwheel that's doing the same for, for early education. And then the move to, of industries like construction from offline to online. And a great example of that is our portfolio company, Procore. And, and as a consequence, I think cloud software broadly benefited. Um, and then over the subsequent kind of nine to 12 months, the market clap cap, pardon me, for cloud software just continued to grow as I think both investors um, rotated into stocks given the low interest rate environment and the relative 
strength of um, cloud and technology more broadly. And then I also think that the, the digital transformation tailwinds powered cloud in particular. So the market cap grew um, more than 2x to $2 trillion where it is today. Um, and the average uh, BVP NASDAQ Emerging Cloud Index uh, company, which, uh, you know, the, the cloud index that we're talking about has a 20x multiple. Um, tremendous growth from where it was historically, which was closer closer to 5x. Yeah, and so when, when you think about these, the the lasting, how much of the, the transition to these cloud businesses was pandemic-driven, how much accelerated, how much is permanent? How do you think about, you know, how much was just caused by this remote world and how much is going to be long-lasting? I think a lot of the um, shifts that we have made are just very difficult to unwind. You know, right now we're on a Microsoft Teams meeting. Um, you know, I think companies like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and a lot of the collaboration tools that we've seen, like that, that's become the new normal of, of how people want to work and will continue to work. Um, and then even, you know, some of the remote work, some of the remote work trends powered a kind of a stocks that you might not think of, like like Okta that, you know, needed to authenticate workers remotely or, or cloud failure for, for networking and, and the addition of endpoints. Um, so I, I think that a lot of that, a lot of it is here to stay. Um, obviously, there's going to be some rotation into more um, on-premise, uh, on-premise activities and, and as a consequence stocks as uh, the world kind of resets um, to how it might have been pre-COVID. But I do think a lot of the trends that we saw were the way the world was moving at anyways. It was just accelerated by the pandemic. Now, like one of the things you guys do a lot of commentary on is, is the backlog of um, private businesses coming public and sort of the M&A pipeline how many companies coming IPO? Maybe talk through what it's looked like the last few years from 2019 to then the pandemic and and any outlooks for this year. Yeah, sure. So, you know, in 2020, we really saw with the growth of valuations and the market's appreciation of cloud software, um, we saw a lot of deal activity. So IPOs um, for JFrog and Agora and Sino, Sumo, Asana, Big Commerce, C3, uh, and the large, largest software IPO in history, Snowflake. Um, and then on the M&A side, you know, acquisitions, some, some huge strategic acquisitions like Slack by Salesforce, Segment by Twilio, Velocity by Salesforce again. And then we also saw the rise of private equity buyers in cloud as well. Um, examples are kind of Veeam and Pipedrive and, and Gainsight. And then even in 2021, recently, we've seen Okta buy actually a Bessemer portfolio company off zero in the authentication space. One of the other um, big initiatives that, that Bessemer um, participates in is the BVP Forbes Cloud 100, which we put together in partnership with Forbes. Um, and what you see is that, you know, there are billions of dollars of, of private cloud um, software businesses that are kind of in the backlog that I, I anticipate will continue to go public and get acquired over the next over the coming year as well. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting how much of that and is, and is, is, is it just translate to how many coming public that they're taking advantage of these sort of higher valuations in that sort of robust market is that what's really driving you think even more companies coming to the to the public markets now just the the valuations i think it's the it's the combination of you know the maturity of the companies themselves like hitting some of those metrics that um you know public market investors expect growth rate 
quantum of ARR or, or revenue, et cetera. And then also, yeah, it's, it's the it's the great, um, it, the IPO window is open, I think. And, and, you know, a lot of companies want to strike when the iron's hot and when multiples are as high as they are, um, it, it's a great time to, to access the public markets, both because, you know, you want some liquidity for uh, shareholders and employees, but then also because that additional access to capital can help with strategic initiatives like, you know, m- making, uh, making purchases of, of competitors, for example, or um, kind of, you know, getting more capital on the balance sheet to, to fund new strategic initiatives. Now, now one of the big things, um, maybe one of your partners, Byron Dieter, has been talking a lot about is a new acronym. Uh, is there the old acronyms for big tech companies were the FANG stocks and and your team has been talking about this new Mount SAS, is for the changing of the guard. Do you want to give our, our listeners some background on the Fangs versus Mount Fang uh, versus Mount SAS in, in this new world? Yeah, sure. That's actually a piece that we co-authored in November of 2020. Um, and and really, since 2013, investors have been tracking Fang, uh, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Netflix, pardon me, and Google as the first basket of stocks that captured the dual macro trends around the internet and mobile adoption. But what we've seen is that as internet penetration has reached a saturation point in North America, that those mega trends that have driven the stock's extreme growth over the last 20 years is decelerating somewhat. And we think that the next mega trend of the next decade is the move to cloud computing, enter Mount SAS. Microsoft, Twilio, Salesforce, Amazon, Adobe, and Shopify, which present a mix of application and infrastructure companies, you know, incumbent giants and hyper growth challengers, but all of which share the same characteristics of cloud delivery model, high growth and compelling long-term margin potential. And, you know, at the time of publication of State of the Cloud, the Mount SAS basket had grown by 180% since January 2020 versus FANG that had grown only 60%. And we think that that exemplifies uh, the fact that the, the um, tailwinds behind cloud are the strongest um, more broadly. Yeah, like th- th- this question on how sustainable is performance. I mean, I think when you see you know, the Mount SAS basket and even just cloud stocks generally had an amazing year, you know, people worry you know, is the growth too high, you know, and it, well, is the growth too high so it's sustainable and are the valuations too high? Can the growth support those valuations? How do you think about that, where you are in the cloud cycle in terms of adoption cycle and sort of that opportunity for the Mount SAS to be a decade long trade here? You know, obviously year to year growth rates are impossible to predict, but I, but I do think that it's here to stay just because so many uh, I, you know, when you think about the penetration of cloud, even into software, um, we talked about that, in, not in this year's state of the cloud, but in last year's, and, and we estimate it to only be about 25%. There's a huge way to go, and, and that's not taking into consideration that software itself continues to grow. So I think there's a lot um, there between uh, additional geographical expansion to, to, some, to, to some geographies where cloud is still growing, like for example, um, Bessemer has recently started investing in, in a cloud in China, and that's a massive market that that hasn't fully um, hit the same uh, uh, penetration that the U.S. market or North American market has has hit yet. Um, I think there's there's huge opportunity for growth um, both on the infrastructure and the application side. Very interesting. Now, one of the concepts tied to growth 
that you did talk about this year's report was growth endurance. Um, do you want to sort of define growth endurance and talk about the, the, the relevance to these, these companies? Yeah, sure. Thanks for highlighting it. Um, growth endurance we define as, the, as a company's retention growth rate from one year to the next. And it equals current year growth rate divided by last year's growth rate. And it becomes a powerful heuristic uh, you can use to evaluate an investment because as investors, we, we want to see the ongoing growth trajectory of companies being high enough to hit an exit velocity. Um, at maturity, the average BVP, NASDAQ, Emerging Cloud Index company is still growing over 35%. So if you think about that as the minimum growth rate required to be a public company, if growth endurance is too low and therefore growth decay is high, a company won't get to that level that would make it appetizing to the public markets. And if you look at all of the data points over the last decade um, for the public cloud, we find a consistent trend that cloud companies are able to retain 80% of their growth rate from the prior year. And for private cloud, it's 70%. Um, and so, you know, we we think that that it's a great heuristic to use when trying to project future year growth rate for a cloud business. But then it also, if you take a look at, at a lot of the public cloud businesses, what you'll see is that the growth endurance ended up being a lot higher than, than what anyone would have projected when these companies went public, be it, be it Salesforce or Twilio or Shopify or, or many of the other very successful public companies, um, which also gets to the point you made in the previous question, in the previous comment, which is just that uh, I, I believe, and I think uh, I think the data proves it out as well, that the growth endurance and the opportunity for ongoing growth for a lot of these cloud stocks um, is incredibly high for the future. Is, is there something there about those public companies versus private companies is that they've gone public because they've hit a new phase in their cycle, so they have those higher endurance rates, or is there I, anything I think- on there? Yeah, I, I think it's just the fact that, you know, uh, private cloud companies are, I mean, the public cloud companies are the best companies in the world. And uh, while a lot of the private cloud companies that were lucky to work with at Bessemer and, and uh, are, are, are are being led by some fantastic founders that, that Bessemer doesn't work with, um, are are strong. Um, sometimes, you know, private companies falter. Um, that's 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 why venture is risky. But um, by the time it's, by the time they're public, they're the best best out there. And so um, what you see is the growth endurance ends up, ends up being higher because on average, I think those are those tend to be stronger companies. Yeah, that's interesting to see. I mean, and that's going to be one of the key debates, you know, when they're certainly not the cheapest basket of stocks, but that's because they're growing in that 30s, like you're talking about. And, you know, the broad market, I think the S&P's, you know, typical companies more like, you know, single digit growth rates. So when you're trading at that high, you know, those those multiples, you know, if they can keep it, you know, it helps justify those multiples. And doing it with uh, while generating cash. <laughs> yeah, that rule of 40, you know, that free cash flow, a lot of, you know, the one of these new new words I learned when talking with your team was just this rule of 40 and how people look at that, that growth rate and, and free cash flow. And it seems like they're, they're all in that rule of 40 as an average that these companies are generating high free cash flow plus these strong 30% growth rates. Yep. Now, one of the things you your team does is you start putting together predictions for the coming year, um, and 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 have a set of predictions for from this year's state of the cloud. Maybe talk through one of the ones that there's a lot of buzz around is is the artificial intelligence, machine learning space. You want to talk through some of the predictions tied to that that area? 
Yeah, sure. So um, uh, one of the predictions is that data and machine learning infrastructure will accelerate to new heights. Um, and basically, as co companies make the transition to the cloud and more data is generated and available than ever before, we're seeing the enterprise data stack evolve as well. So whether it's moving data to storing it, querying it, analyzing it, visualizing it, or monitoring it, companies are building best-in-class solutions throughout. And, and we do think that every company will need to make better use of, of its data to compete. So um, companies like Firebolt uh, in data warehousing or Coiled and Python-based data analytics or, or imply data in real-time analytics are at the forefront of this effort. And we do think that the, there are going to be a lot of winners um, in this space over time. And um, in terms of the other, the other big predictions, um, you know, one of them was tied to, we talked a little about the pandemic and, and some of the, the small companies, the, the issues they faced during the pandemic, anything on how lasting, just emphasize this shift to digital, you know, how, how lasting is this going to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, the pandemic definitely was a shock to the system. Um, and I think that that the question here was really um, as it as as it um, as it relates to kind of small businesses. What we what we've definitely seen is that um, uh, SMBs are able to get back to business a lot, uh, very much powered by the move to cloud. Um, cloud software tools are helping them to do so across every key functional area that an SMB would need to care about, whether it's sales and marketing, IT, HR, customer success. Um, and helping to create a better experience for their customers and, and get back to work faster. Um, we have companies uh, like uh, Ada Support in Toronto for customer support or Contract Book for legal operations that are delivering real value to small business owners each and every day and helping them uh, to recover from the pandemic. Now, you guys had seven different predictions. Are, are there any others, if you said you, you feel most interesting to talk through, um, you want to highlight any of the other predictions that you're uh, most interested in here? Yeah, sure. I, I think the other one where, where I personally spend a lot of time is the rise of the citizen developer and creator. Um, you know, we predicted that the low code and no code movement would take off um, a couple of years ago. But now that we fast forwarded only two short years, we're fully in the age of the democratization of software develop development. Um, companies are moving towards solutions like Zapier and Webflow to free up their engineering and expert resources and to equip non-technical workers with developer capabilities. And we're seeing a similar proliferation of tools democratizing the creator economy and allowing anyone to become a creator. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to work with um, our portfolio company Zapier in this space um, and invested in Canva as well. But there are, there are a variety of tools in, um, in that space that, that we think are going to be winners over time. Now, in terms of the reasons to get involved, you know, as, as you've been involved in both you know, investing on the private side, these public companies, you know, care to talk about just generally your team's interest in these public companies and, and, and why tracking them has been useful for Bessemer and the whole ecosystem, you know, the, the sort of talking through why venture and why this public index that you're working on? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I think uh, the cloud index really came after, you know, wanting to benchmark the growth of private cloud companies, but then they matured to a state that we really wanted to uh, offer the industry a, a public benchmark of what success looks like, whether it's from growth rate, margins, 
uh, gross margin, free cash flow margin, um, and also just demonstrate to to ourselves and then to the industry more broadly the power of the cloud. And, and we do think that between you know two trillion dollars an average, uh, two trillion dollars of market cap, a twenty x multiple, and you know to the point that you made earlier. Um, Forty percent year-over-year growth rates and, and and positive free cash flow margins. I think the index really encapsulates the, the power of the cloud. Well, anything else exciting at Bessemer beyond uh, beyond the cloud? Any other themes that you guys are doing a lot of work around that 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 uh, excite your 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 full company there? Yeah, sure. So, so cloud is where I spend most of my time on on the growth side of the house. But um, we have a, a very very um, uh, a very, very active healthcare practice um, operating in, in uh, biopharma and in digital health. Um, companies like Bright Health and, and Hinge Health are, are at the forefront, um, some great companies we've invested in um, my, and, you know, led by um, Steve Krauss and, and my new partner, Andrew Houdin, as well. Um, and then my partner, Tess Hatch, is really leading our um, space and drone efforts and our, and our frontier roadmap. So, so and, and then obviously we have a, a fantastic consumer practice um, led by our new partner as well, Jeff Blackburn. And so, yes, we spend a lot of time in a lot of different areas. I just, I'm a one-trick pony, I guess. <laughs> no, it's been, you know, always fun getting to chat with you on on these cloud baskets. And, you know, it's been certainly one of the, the, the hot areas of the market. So getting the latest on, on what's happening at, on the BVP website, you can get a lot more information. If you go to bvp.com, uh, you know, they've got a lot of information on this cloud index and some of the state of the cloud index. So I think that's a great place to, to get some more information there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, and please feel free to hit me up at uh, MCA D'Onofrio on Twitter or mdenofrio at bvp.com via email. Very good. Please note, I'm a registered representative of Foresight Fund Services. Our discussion is not tied to the offer of investment products and is not an endorsement or recommendation of any company, security, or investment strategy. The views of our guests are not those of Bloomberg Trades or affiliates. This is Jeremy Schwartz. You've been listening to Behind the Markets on SiriusXM 132. Thanks to our producer, Patty Hall, our sound engineer, Dion Simpkins. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit WisdomTree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on SiriusXM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. 